Hi everyone, I'm Michael Steisen. This is Mobile Growth Podcast where we discuss how to launch, grow, and successfully monetize mobile apps. We invite industry experts to learn everything from product to user acquisition and monetization strategies. And today our guest is Megan Zin uh, from Yodel Mobile. Megan is a growth director at Yodel Mobile. The goal, it, it's a global app marketing consultancy. And Megan has seven years of experience in app growth marketing, and she helped in scaling hundreds of apps across different verticals. Um, among so, so, some of the companies she worked with are Trivaga, it's a very well-known public uh, online travel company. Uh, hey You, it's a subscription-based video streaming service owned by NBC Universal and some others. Hi, Megan. Thanks so much for, for joining us today. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about Yodel Mobile and yourself, maybe some other companies that you work with. Yes. Hi, Michael. Thank you for having me. Um, so I'm Megan. As you said, I'm one of the strategic directors at Yodel Mobile. Um, and I've worked at the company for a little over seven years now. Um, Yodel Mobile, really, we like to call ourselves essentially a, a holistic growth agency. Um, and what that means is that we look at the whole picture, um, you know, from user acquisition, paid or organic, to app store optimization, to product, CRM, marketing automation, you know, the types of tools that you have in your app for measurement. Um, and we really look at, you know, how all of these factors work together um, and try to to really help apps build sustainable growth, essentially. Um, I've worked across really every industry you could think of, um, but currently uh, I'm working with a number of different brands, uh, some examples being, you know, Woucher in the, the voucher space. Um, we have kind of National Eczema Association. They're the, the largest eczema um company in in the US. Uh, we work with Pimsleur, language learning owned by Simon & Schuster and Quidco at the moment, which is a cashback app in the UK. Uh, awesome. And uh, how do you approach, uh, let's say, there is an app, they want to grow. Do How do you start working with them? Do you do some kind of audit and what like metrics, uh, what data you need to, to start your work? Yeah. Absolutely. So as I mentioned, you know, we're really looking to understand how sustainable their growth is. I think that's one of the biggest things, you know, we work with massive enterprise companies, we work with startups, we've really done across the whole spectrum. Um, and, you know, the thing that we see the most is really a lack of understanding for whether the growth is sustainable. Obviously, this is a little bit more of a priority when we're a startup obviously there's kind of a run rate there's there's not as deep pockets usually um and there's a lot of things to consider in terms of you know do we have the resources that we need to get to where we need to be um but really the question we need to ask ourselves is are users of more value to us than we're paying for them that is you know the the absolute core question um you know, we often see companies with a mix of lots of different acquisition sources, you know, paid, owned, organic. Um, but we also see kind of a focus on initial user activation. And I think sometimes that focus comes from, you know, when you are running user acquisition campaigns, it's tricky because 
you know you're spending money every single day and it's hard to kind of just trust that, right? So usually there is some kind of conversion metric like um, registration maybe, or it might be purchase if you've got a subscription app. Um, and then the focus really becomes those high funnel metrics. Um, but I think especially with subscription apps, a lot of the revenue opportunity is around retention, right? It's not just conversion to subscribe. Those users then have to stay um, and stay for a reasonable amount of time. So lifetime value really has to be considered upfront here. Um, we don't want to just get bogged down by very particular metrics, which only indicate part of the story. Um, and instead, you know, really think about that customer acquisition cost versus your average revenue per user. Yeah, uh, that that makes perfect sense. Uh, I completely agree that uh, that LTV for a subscription based app is like of a paramount importance, and you can just look at the first uh, first purchase price and make any any uh, like decisions based on that. So what tools uh, do you actually use to, 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 to get the data, to measure uh, what's going on? Yeah, great question. Um, so there are a number of tools, I guess, you know, when we come in with startups who are maybe, you know, starting from the very beginning, there are a number of tools we usually recommend. So the first one being an attribution tool um, in the mobile space, it is near impossible to understand your user acquisition efforts without a dedicated attribution tool, and that should be a mobile first one. So the most popular being, you know, apps, flyer, adjust, tools like that. Um, mm -hmm. Then we say, you know, we look at the in-app analytics. Um, and I think every developer feels like Firebase will be sufficient. Um, and, you know, I talk to a lot of companies about needing something more than that. Um, so, you know, we look at a lot of, again, mobile first tools such as Mixpanel, um, such as Amplitude, and really try and ensure that we have detailed product analytics, which tell us everything we need to know about our users. Um, we also then think about marketing automation, so the CRM side of things. Um, and the reason we want to get this in at this stage as well is it just gives companies more um, freedom, more you know, control over being able to really optimize that user journey. Um, but getting it in at that point means we can build in you know, two-way integrations between the in-app analytics and the CRM, which then allows us to really help understand that full journey again. And uh, what do you recommend to use as this uh, CRM? Uh... Um, there's a lot of different ones on the market that work. You know, you kind of have the more probably expensive premium end of the spectrum, such as Braze or Iterable. Um, mm -hmm. We have, you know, ones in the middle to, to lower pricing, such as, um, you know, Mo Engage. There's one signal. Um, there's actually a lot. That's probably where the market is quite crowded, is market so, automation. Yeah, so, like, one of the uh, primary... Uh goals with the CRM is to be able to communicate then to, to trigger communication with these uh, specific clients, right? Mm -hmm. uh, got it. And uh, do you have like any, I understand that it 
totally depends on the vertical, on the industry, on the app and so on. But are there any like benchmarks for retention? What is good retention? What is bad retention? Or how you can even think about this? Uh, to, to improve something, you have to measure it and you have to have some benchmarks, I guess. Yeah, of course. I think it's a really hard question um, because there's a ton of different ways that you can measure retention. It kind of means different things to different people. Um, I think... You know, it really depends on the category. It depends on your specific app. It depends on your users. Um, but there's a few things you can do to start to get to kind of almost your own baseline. Um, and I think that's thinking about things like, what is your active user definition? You know, what does that actually look like? How frequently would we expect someone to engage? You know, someone is not going to be in an e-commerce app every single day, or hopefully not, um, because you wouldn't have any money left. Um, but if we're looking at something like, you know, self-help meditation, something like that, even language learning, um, you would expect them to be there every single day. Um, so we would have higher requirements for apps which have um, more frequent usage. Um, mm -hmm. We also then see, you know, I think early retention is a very good indicator of long-term retention um there's usually some kind of correlation there so you know mm -hmm. even if we just bring it down to the first 30 days see how engaged they are over that period are they still retained by the end of that period i think the average for 30-day retention is probably around three to seven percent so anything above that is is pretty good um mm -hmm. But, you know, as well, there's also, you know, experiences where churn can be good, right? You know, we always hear people talk about um, the dating example where, um, you know, if someone stops using the app, well, that's a good thing. Um, there are other examples as well. You know, we launched a um, theory test revision app. Uh, so... Um, that was in conjunction with with James May from from Top Gear back in the day, um, and obviously, you know, if someone stops using the app, it probably means they pass their test, and that's what we want. Um, so that was, you know, a good thing. There's also other, you know, one off goals like car wow, um, you know, buying a car. You're not going to do that very often. Um, so again, you know, leaving the app means that you've probably reached your goal. I think though. Even in those cases, again, we really have to think about the value here. We can't say that because someone left the app in the first three days, that was good. That was good churn. Um, we have to have requirements, benchmarks for what a user needs to get out of the app first. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess I guess if if people are solving their problem very quickly, maybe it's a very good app, but it's not a good business if, if yes. they just. <laughs> Uh, solve the problem immediately and leave it and uh, never, never open the app again. Yeah. Uh, uh, and how do you think about retention? So maybe from like uh, your practical experience, is it better to, if you want to increase the retention, is it better to start with the communication, uh, like increasing the number of push notifications you send out, adding maybe emails to, to reactivate the users? Uh, actually, first thing you need to do is some improvements in the product to make sure that uh, people just organically stays within the app. What's like the the, the, the low hanging fruit here? I think 
CRM and marketing automation is often your low hanging fruit, right? It's where there may be some quick wins. It's where, you know, you don't have to add to your developer roadmap backlog, uh, which we know, you know, is usually long um, and it can be hard to prioritize product changes. Um, so CRM is definitely often a quick win. Um, and, you know, I don't mean that in that it can't be of long term value. I just mean that, you know, if you want to see some changes fast, you can usually do that quite quickly with CRM. I think, though, you know, you have to look for indicators in your data. Again, you know, there is only so much we can standardize this. And we know that, um, you know, some apps just have further to go, right? Like if you're seeing Let's say you're a subscription app and no one is is continuing after month one. That is an indication that we need some product changes. Um, CRM is not going to do it. Um, so we have to really think about, you know, how severe is this as an issue or, you know, are we seeing any users actually doing what we want them to do? Usually you'll see you know, you have your your kind of your average users, but then you might have some power users, the really, really engaged ones who love your product. You might have casual users who aren't churned, but also aren't, you know, doing quite as much as, as your average user. Um, and all of those can be valuable to you. But if we have no power users, that's an indication like CRM, not going to cut it. We've got to do some stuff to the product. Got it. And uh, in terms of user acquisition, uh, what channels uh, do you recommend to use now? I understand uh, that attribution became much more, uh, marketing attribution is is, uh, is becoming much more complex than it used to be with Apple's uh, changes. And But still, what, what works best now in user acquisition for, for mobile app and specifically for mobile app with a subscription monetization model? Yeah, great question. So I think, you know, in terms of paid acquisition, what we most commonly use, especially as a starting point, is, first of all, Apple search ads. Um, because it's owned by Apple, tends to be quite accurate, even with the privacy changes. Um, so that is, is very good. It's also, you know, just very high intent. We're hitting people based on keywords that they have searched. Um, you know, we're getting placed right in front of them at exactly the right point in their journey. So, you know, it's always very highly converting in general. Um, Facebook, you know, it's a, it's a controversial one, but there are a lot of learnings that we can pull from Facebook. There is a lot of creative testing that we can do. They have a lot of data that they can use to find the right audience. Um, and it's really where we can build a lot of learnings for long-term sustainability. How do we scale this campaign? Um, I think the third one that we generally see is, is Google, right? Um, now with privacy changes, we would largely try to run this on Android again, you know, They own those platforms. Mm -hmm. That's always where you're going to see the better performance. It's tricky to make it work on iOS now, um, which, mm -hmm. which changes the game a little bit. I think we're seeing a lot more of, you know, the newer platforms like TikTok. That's a, a really, really um, common platform at the moment that everyone wants to try. And I think, you know, they should because TikTok is so popular its retention is awesome um and the creative i think is 
is a little bit more creative, right? It's not kind of your statics that you see on Facebook. It has to be interesting. It has to be engaging or it's not going to work. And I think that's encouraging good things out of people. I also think the, the influencer marketplace makes it much easier for your average person to run influencer campaigns, which is where we often see some of the best creative assets some of the best creative ideas coming from is when you actually get your audience to to explain the product to others yeah by the way how do you approach uh producing creatives do you do it in-house yeah we do uh, it in-house so um you know usually our creative studio will work with um all of our different teams to really build out the strategy with them make sure that we're sharing learnings across teams um and really mm-hmm. building out effective and, and iterative um creative solutions mm-hmm. yeah i guess indeed for tiktok you need some uh really interesting and catchy creatives because you're uh placed next to uh tiktok videos and it needs to be super engaging it's not like uh something that works on facebook it will i doubt i doubt it will work on tiktok yeah (laughs) so you need some kind of different completely different creators a hundred percent yeah and how how is the uh attribution accuracy on tiktok is it uh can you accurately measure what's going on or it's still since it's apples if if it's on the apple platform you're very limited on the attribution side. Yeah, it's limited to an extent for sure. Um, I think with any Apple platform, it is um, now, a, a, you know, you do have very limited divisibility. There's a lot of um, limitations on, on what data you actually get through. You know, we even have to hit kind of thresholds for if we don't get a certain number of installs a day, those installs might mm-hmm. not be tracked at all. Um, so there's a lot of new things that we have to think about. Um, you know, TikTok is one of those which is affected by that. So we do have to, to some extent, look at um, predictive modeling and really think about, you know, how can mm-hmm. we accurately predict how this is converting against our other platforms. Um, and that's where, you know, we've been spending a lot of time really building those models out in a way that, give us the most accurate picture possible. Um, But obviously, you know, the whole industry has just lost a lot of data and there are effects to that. Uh, And you have mentioned that uh, it's like super important to have high retention to actually uh, get to high LTV. How do you actually measure that? You, You mentioned that it's necessary to have like proper analytics set up with amplitude, let's say mixed panel, other tools, but still, uh, how do you get to the LTV estimates? Yeah, really good question. So I think, you know, there's a few different ways, right? Um, we really have to consider what type of user we, we're interested in here, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, in general, subscription is one of the most common monetization models we see for yeah. apps. And, you know, on average, that's going to be a paying user, then it's going to be a subscribed user. Um, from there, you know, you really need to understand how much people are renewing, what is your split between yearly and annual or, you know, quarterly or whatever your different options are mm-hmm. for pricing. Um, and then we need to understand, um, you know, things like cancellations, right? And this is where it gets a little bit tricky because you think about iOS, for example, if you cancel a subscription, 
that cancellation happens outside of your app. Um, so it becomes very, very hard to track accurately. That's why we're seeing a lot more tools, um, you know, pop up like conversion, even like revenue cat, um, who are, you know, going through these receipts and, and finding yeah. your actual accurate live status of your subscribers because Apple does yeah. not provide that, that data to you nicely. Yeah, we know, um, <laughs> <laughs> we know everything about that. Yeah, indeed. This is where we come uh, into play and we actually, we can send this data to Amplitude, to other tools. And that's uh, the value that we provide very super accurate data exactly. on every subscription, renewal event, cancellation event. And it's much easier actually to get to, 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 to the LTE calculations. Yeah. Um, uh, thanks so much. Uh, I want to be mindful of your time. Maybe if you have uh, anything you personally would like to, 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 to speak about, to share. Um, I mean, not massively. I think, you know, it's it's been really great to, to talk about all this stuff. This is a really core element that we're thinking about internally at the moment. I think with a lot of the privacy changes that we're seeing, we're also seeing, you know, more people do more A-B testing across the board, right? Like we're seeing um, mm -hmm. since Apple has started encouraging A-B testing on the app stores, um, which Google is mm -hmm. doing forever. Um, people are doing it in their user acquisition with creative. Um, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that coming to product because, you know, with tools like, like yours, um, there's so much more freedom for product people to test and make data-driven decisions, make data-driven changes to their product in real time. Um, and I really believe that, that that's the way the industry is heading because, you know, developers have have enough to do um and if nothing else building a business case by just trying it um is absolutely you know the most effective way to move forward so i'm really excited about where this industry is going and i think more and more people are going to see this as you know a necessity in in building out retention and um profitability yeah i agree um how our listeners can find you? Are you on Twitter, LinkedIn? How? What's the best way to connect to I'm you? I'm probably most active on LinkedIn. Um, I think uh, my official URL is kind of the standard and then forward slash Dean Megan. Um, so mm -hmm. that's how you can find me. Um, and, you know, just, just add me on LinkedIn. <laughs> so, sounds good. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, for joining us today and uh, have a great day. Yeah, thank you for having me. Cheers. <laughs>